Whole Foods is eating as close to the farm as possible. And that includes the fruits and vegetables, but it also includes the nuts, seeds, beans, intact grains. So think of wild rice, think of steel-cut oats, think of quinoa, um, for example, versus 100% whole wheat bread. You know how processed 100 whole, 100% whole wheat bread is? Welcome back to the Healthy Diabetic Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Coach Ken Kinnis. Before we get started, please remember that nothing that you hear on this podcast should be considered medical advice or otherwise. Please always consult your medical team before making any changes to your diabetes management. All right, another great guest for you guys today, our good type 1 diabetic friend and dietitian, Kelly Schmidt. Uh, she's no stranger to this podcast, and we got to talking today about nutrition um, and really diving into the foods that we're consuming, the importance of looking out for the foods that you're consuming, the importance of uh, reading food labels, the importance of looking at what you're feeding your kids and what you're you're consuming yourself. Just a really, really good episode on nutrition. And as we're going into Thanksgiving weekend, you know, when you're depending on when you listen to this, this episode will be dropped on Black Friday. So depending on when you listen to this, this is a really good opportunity to get some more information about nutrition. But before we get into this incredible conversation, I would be remiss if I didn't let you guys know about the incredible four offers that are now available with Simplifying Life with Diabetes. And uh, one of them, obviously, I've been talking about for a long time, more than A1C, a one-on-one family style, whatever whatever the situation calls for, coaching program, 10 weeks, uh, where we're just going to dive into your diabetes. We're going to dive into your diabetes and really craft your own unique management style. That's what More Than A1C is really all about. It can be done by yourself. It can be done if you're a caregiver and you want to do it with your family. That's been really fun to go through f- with families, this program. So whatever the situation calls for, we can rock and roll and do that with More Than A1C. The next one I'm really excited about, it's brand spanking new. I just finished it. Uh, the Diabetes Nutrition Master Course. This is literally everything that I have learned that I adopt myself, principles and concepts and philosophies I, I adopt myself, things I work with, with with specific nutrition clients with diabetes. It's a self-study course, just an incredible, incredible course. Um, and both of those programs, more than A1C and the Diabetes Master uh, or Diabetes Nutrition Master Course are both 15% off for the next four days. So hopefully you're listening to this episode within four days of Black Friday and um, you take advantage of these two incredible offers. The other one, the other two offers are uh, the Diabetes, the Five Pillars of Diabetes uh, Success Worksheet. And the last one is the Diabetes Performance Journal. I'm really excited about this one. This is going to change how you track your diabetes and what you're doing on your daily life. It's going to help you identify trends in what you're doing in your daily life and your diabetes. It's, it's just, it's so awesome. You, you're going to be able to track your total insulin that you take every day, your food, 
uh, your exercise, your water intake. It's got daily prompts in terms of mindset to get you to change on how how about you're thinking about diabetes. Just a really, really cool 30-day journal uh, that has a very low price point, and I'm really excited for it. I've been using it for the past couple uh, weeks because we just finished it about, I don't know, three, four weeks ago. So I've really been diving into it just to make sure it flows the way it needs to flow and the way I want it to flow. And I can't tell you how excited I am about this uh, journal. I've been waiting for something like this. I've been trying. I've, I've tried other diabetes journals that are really good, but I wanted to create something different that that really focuses in on what my message is and what I'm constantly telling you guys to track and, and look at within your diabetes management. So I'm really excited about this journal. Like I said, everything will be in the show notes. All the links to these uh, four different products, four different offers are going to be in the show notes. So uh, don't worry, you will still, you'll have access to them if you're not part of the email list. If you want to start getting emails for the different products that I am, um, that you can participate in, please make sure to click the link in the show notes. I believe it says email newsletter and uh, you'll be able to get emails and updates on what's going on in Simplifying Life with Diabetes. All right, without further ado, let's get with our good friend, dietitian, type 1 diabetic, Kelly Schmidt. Kel, we're back. I got you back Kel. on. I'm so <laughs> pumped. Uh, we've been trying to yeah. get on each other's schedules now for a couple months, and we finally got back together. Yeah. What was our last episode? Oh, man, do I don't know. I'd have to go back and look. I don't even remember. It was probably 10, maybe 15 episodes ago to maybe even, yeah, maybe probably 10, 15 episodes ago. ago. So maybe the vulnerable one. Yeah. It might've been the vulnerable one. We've talked about hormones. Yeah. We've talked about all the Yeah. It might've been the vulnerable one actually. Yeah. So, but anyway, we got another, we got another great topic. Uh, You and your expertise and, and these conversations are just so, so helpful. So grateful. So I'm, I'm so grateful that you're able to come on here. Once a month, every couple, you know, a couple months, and just give your insight on nutrition, living with diabetes. It's just, it's been awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to show up today. I know we have a lot of side techs as we're strong type one friends and just friends in general. No need to put that tagline there. And I think we both have just a lot of similar passions and overlap, but one is just the overabundance of processed food and the average consumer not really knowing better by just the marketing lures, lures, is that even a word? Luring us in to certain messaging that makes us think something's healthy and it's not. So yeah. I know there's a gamut of things we'll cover today, but my my heart is roaring oh, to cover this topic to help people yeah. when, with daily When we were talking about what we were going to talk about in this episode and you said that I'm like, it's sold. Let's go. Because it's, <laughs> it. I, I just spent so much time creating this nutrition course and like talking about some of these things. Um, and, and over the past year, I have been just so diving so deep into food labels and understanding what's actually in our food, like what's being hidden, like what, what things are like similar words that are being you know, marketed to us. Like it's just, it's, it's one of these things that I think that this conversation is going to just hit home with so many people because not just going us talking about kids, because we're going to talk about kids as well, but us going into this whole thought process of you have to, you have to advocate for yourself by understanding what is actually going into your mouth because there's so many hidden things. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And I know my husband and I, our family, we visited, we often go to the same vacation. I know that's not like people's preferred, but hey, I'm on vacation. But we repeated a vacation last spring break. And from the years prior, it was just a three-year gap to the last spring break. We noticed a significant difference in just everyone's body size. And there is no shaming there. But I just saw, you know, it's it's a buffet-style place where we were. And it was like a free coffee shop with baked goods. And like, there were just kids just having a plate of muffins and donuts mm-hmm. and it's, and they don't know better. They know they're hungry. They know they want it. Um, and I, I think that's an obvious thing. Like we know eating donuts every day is not going to be like eating healthy whole real food, but there's just a lot to help. Um, child obesity is huge. I actually am, am now the president of a new program that I'm starting up in my local public schools in my in my neighborhood. Um, we don't have a title yet, but it's basically the nutrition team. Um, but I want to not just help more whole real food in the school. And one, I'm so grateful the school is opening their doors to me. But two, I want to make a strong message coming from student council, coming from the students who volunteer to do morning announcements of how food is mood, because mental health is a crisis, not only for adults, but for kids, especially kids, especially those COVID kids who have not yet had a single normal year. And dare I say that word? <laughs> uh, maybe we need to edit that out. Um, <laughs> no way. <laughs> but, <laughs> but anyways, um, food is mood. Um, child obesity is is horrifyingly growing. Yeah. Autoimmune disease is growing. Type 1 diabetes is exponentially being diagnosed more than any other autoimmune disease. And what it comes down to, you know, from my functional dietitian eyes is um, supportive, healthy guts. And if we're eating processed food, if we're eating throughout the day grazing, we're setting ourselves up for failure. So where do you want to begin, Ken? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, there's just, there's so much to peel away from with within this conversation. So I, I think the I think the first thing that we should do is if you can kind of define for the listeners, for people maybe that are just finding this podcast, haven't heard me talk about nutrition, haven't heard you talk about nutrition yet. Let's define whole foods and what that actually means. Um yeah. because I think that if we can define that in a way that people can understand what that actually means because I know I talk to people and I say you need to eat more whole foods and they think fruits and vegetables and it's not just fruits and vegetables right so it's it's so let's let's start there define for the listeners like what what your thought process and your philosophy is on eating a whole food rich diet Yeah. Well, I think Whole Foods, the grocery store and Amazon have done such a great marketing job that when people think Whole Foods, they only think of that grocery store. Um, Amazon now owns Whole Foods, hence why I say Amazon. But Whole Foods, um, the grocery store itself does not include 100% healthy Whole Foods. There is a lot of processed stuff in there. So don't go into the grocery store with that healthy halo thinking anything you buy will be good. Um, Perhaps it might be better, but there's um, options. But uh, Whole Foods is eating as close to the farm as possible. And that includes the fruits and vegetables, but it also includes the nuts, seeds, beans, intact grains. I talk about intact grains a lot with my clients. So think of wild rice, think of steel cut oats, think of quinoa, um, for example, versus 100% whole wheat bread. You know how processed 100% whole wheat bread is? It is a highly processed food, but 100% of that crop is there, but that crop itself is just 
a, a different um, plant than what it used to be decades ago. So Whole Foods is eating as close to the farm as possible or eating food in its most natural form. Um, and that can include seafood, animal protein, um, and much more than fruits and vegetables. Yeah. So the, the, I think when I think about this, the biggest thing I look at is um, we understand processed foods. We understand this thought process of not going to something like McDonald's every day. We People understand that. Um, and I love the fact that you brought up the whole Whole Foods Whole Foods grocery store thing because that mm. is I think that is a stigmatism of of this thought process of eating whole foods or eating a a whole food rich um, having whole food rich habits. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, so yeah, that's Whole Foods. And I think eating food in its raw form is not very vogue right now. And I think as kids are getting older to adulthood, it's like, like not many people are carrying around apples in their bags. They're carrying around protein bars or something that's in a package that's sustainable, but also, um, has just stronger messaging. You know that, I don't even know if this is a board, national apple board. They don't have funds like kind bars. They don't have funds like X, Y, and Z. So it takes a lot of money to bring that messaging aloud and it takes a lot of money to do research studies on it. But I know, for example, um, and it's not just my kids, but other kids are made fun of for bringing things like salad in their lunch. You know, that's a big topic that I brought up in my um, meeting, taking on this new board in the public school. But, and and, and too, as someone with type one diabetes, who has been type one diabetic since second grade, um, I think about the kids in the school who have a harder time dodging all the sugar exposure. You know, there's not a single event that I can think of where my kids are not offered candy, a prime, a Gatorade, um, everything. They are offered something, including Sunday schools. Like it's just everywhere. And there's overexposure to students, to kids, and it's always in a package or sugar laden. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The interesting thing about that too is like, because I think about you going down this route of being in this organization and it almost even sounds to me like one of the biggest challenges or, or hurdles to overcome is being able to change the menu in the school lunches. And Yeah. And they have so much red, red tape that yeah. I don't agree with. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that but that I I feel like that is like a big piece of this when we talk about kids because yeah. you know, a parent that is not knowing that isn't really educated on food could easily send, I mean, my mom did it, send, you know, 10 bucks a day with your kid. And now your, your kid has burgers, your kid has fries, pizza, all these things that we know are just not sustainable in the long term for our systems. And yeah. Yeah. And yeah, no, go ahead. I was just going to say too, I think for, there's so many topics we want to cover, but I think on the topic of this, my recommendation to any listener, thank you for listening, but is to um, not be afraid to speak up. So um, in Columbus, Ohio, the public schools are getting free lunch, or excuse me, free breakfast still from COVID funds. And it's probably the last year that'll happen. But I asked my daughter, what are you eating for breakfast if it's gluten-free? And she said, I get two Lucky Charms, two juices and a chocolate milk. And I was like, wow, as someone like myself, like I would not be able to handle that sugar load with my insulin dose. And then someone like your brother, no offense to my son, he'll probably listen to this in a decade when he's older, but 
if he had that much sugar, he wouldn't be able to behave and that would hurt his teacher. Um, And that's what sparked all of this interest. But what I did from that occasion is I talked to the head lunch lady. Yes, it's helpful. I'm a dietitian. But I asked, what parameters can we have to take away the a la carte um, shopping of the students. So my daughter was also buying like multiple fruit by the foots. Um, why Pop-Tarts were offered at breakfast, if that's setting them up with a sugar bomb and what adjustments could be made. And she actually was very receptive, removed the Pop-Tarts, removed the ability for students under third grade to buy a la carte. And I was shocked. Immediately they like were receptive. And I know that's not always going to be the case, but I advocate anyone, if you're seeing stuff that you think is just hard or wrong, especially if your child has type 1 diabetes, is speak up and change it for the better for everyone. Because, yes, Tegan's gluten-free. And, yes, Declan doesn't handle loads of sugar. Well, who does? But how are these kids set up for learning? Um, and, and what can we purpose in place? But I think it's a matter of education. It's a matter of PR. And then it's a matter of removing the highly ultra-processed food to lure people away from those healthier choices. Yeah. So ultra processed food too is a new term. Ultra processed food would be like potato chips versus pasta made from lentils. Mm. So the, if you look at lentils, for example, uh, lentil pasta, it's one of my favorite forms of pasta. The ingredient is just lentil. Um, where potato chips, you know, there's at least 55 different ingredients where there's yeah. science put into how crunchy, salty, and sweet that food product yeah. is. But ultra Ultra processed food is driving metabolic disease and cancer in kids. And kids are our future hospital patients. So I just have this new heightened uh, passion for kids' nutrition because in the end, it's it's everyone. It's everywhere. Yeah. And I, yeah, I just, I feel like that it's just, it's one of these things that I rack my brain about of trying to be able to one, stay in my lane with this nutrition thought process, but also being able to educate through principles and concepts of how do you actually look at a food label and what do you actually look for when you don't see something go look it up because it's going you you google something it's going to tell you what it is and you're going to have a a better understanding next time you go in into that grocery store to actually see or look at what this food label actually is telling you um and I, i just i think it's a powerful message because a lot of people don't understand the difference between whole foods and processed or people think that, Oh, well some whole food or some processed foods are better than others. And it's, it's, it really just comes down to the gluten, the, uh, you know, if it has gluten, what type of wheat product it is, like what actually is actually in that product. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have a question, um, and I think this is a learning exercise for everyone, and we'll go through it. Uh, with a food label, um, when I have a new client, there's a, a, a large document I go through with them before we meet live. And one of the questions is, do you read food labels? And it's usually yes or no. And then I ask, what do you look for on a food label? Ken, what do you what do you look for on a food I label? I love this. I love this because this <laughs> is like this is everything I've been talking about and learning about and, and going through over – shoot the past six months. So when I look at a food label, I have what I call uh, the BS meter. And I've got layers when I look at a food label, right? So I think it's five or six different categories that I have from a food label. And the very first thing that I'm looking at every single time is the ingredients. That's the first place that I start. And I'm asking myself specific questions. 
the first question I'm asking myself before even trying to identify what any of the food labels actually, what it actually says or the ingredients actually says, does it have more than seven ingredients? That's the first layer of my BS meter. If it doesn't get past, if it has more than that, it's probably nine times out of 10, not getting past my BS meter. I'm moving on to the next product. So I have these different layers of things I look at when I actually am looking at a food label. The next thing I'm going to ask myself when I look at a food label is what is actually in this thing? Is there added sugars? And if there are, how many are there? Are there chemicals? Are there oils? What type of oils? Because I'm trying to stay away if I don't want to be doing any type of seed oil. So I want to see avocado oil and, and whatever I'm, I'm consuming. So I'm asking myself those three questions. And if, if those three questions get past my BS meter, then I'll actually go up into the nutrition label and look at the other things, carbohydrate load, macronutrients, serving size. Um, I, I think I look at the calories last because I don't really care about the calories. The calories don't, they're, they don't, I don't care. So that's how I kind of break down a food label and, and having that, that, basically five, I think it's six or seven step process has helped me so much to identify and make sure that I'm consuming foods that are aligning with my food values. Yeah. And I love too, how you said you start with the ingredient list and most consumers are not trained to do that. They are trained to look at total fat grams, total sugar, which I actually want to pause and talk here for a minute. And I also want to talk through net carbs. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I work with a client, I say, look at ingredients look at total fat, look at total carbs, look at total protein and glance at fiber. Don't worry about that total sugar. And and you might be like, wait, what? What?" And let me explain. I think that sugar's there because the consumers want it and demanded it. But the total sugar in a product is not going to influence the, it it is bundled into the total carbohydrates. Yep. I feel like your jaw's on the floor. Is your jaw on the floor? No. (laughs) No. Okay. Okay. So I'm like, first off, if we look at the ingredient list, ingredient list is healthy, whole, real food. I actually don't put too much emphasis on total ingredients. The fewer, the better, but I don't have a lot. I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing, but I don't have a locked in number of ingredients. If it's healthy, whole real food that you can pronounce, no chemicals, let's go. But then if you go up into the total protein, total carbohydrates, total fat, I like certain ratios based on certain needs. If someone's trying to lose weight, control blood sugars, X, Y, and Z, and that'll flex one way or another, depending what their goals are. But they're like, well, I get so caught up in total sugar. I'll have a mom whose daughter who's type one. She's like, oh, I just look at total sugar. And I was like, it's confusing, but you really just need to care about total carbohydrates because that is taking in consideration how much added sugar is in that product. They're almost telling the same story, but the total carbohydrates encompassing everything. And that total added sugar is not going to influence your blood sugar different than the total carbohydrates. Are you hanging with yeah. me? Yeah. I, I like any questions. Yeah. Yet? So one, one thing I would, I would say that I look at when I look at yeah. total sugar um, I love the I love that you're bringing up the fact that you the total sugar is is actually really calculate calculated into the total carbohydrates. So we don't have to worry Correct. about the number. What I look yep. at when I see added sugars is I'll look at what it where is that added sugar coming from? What type of product is this? Is it natural flavors? Is it some type of artificial sweetener? Because depending on where that added sugar is and then what the added sugar actually is, if it's two grams or if it's 20 grams or whatever it is, obviously the lower the gram is what we want. But, but what, I, what, what I think about when I look at added sugars is 
just where what ingredient is actually making this product have added sugars yeah well i challenge that yeah and that when it says added sugar, it has to be from something that is added sugar. It can't say added sugar if it's from like orange juice mm-hmm. or artificial gotcha. sweetener because that wouldn't be added sugar. But so there again, I think it's just a marketing decoy. It's a marketing decoy to make a product look better when really it's looking at ingredients, looking at total carbs, looking at fat, looking at fiber and protein just to see how that packaged food is going to impact blood sugar on the spike. So obviously, if it's a food that's predominantly just carbohydrate with much, very little fat, fiber, or protein, it'll spike our blood sugar like a black diamond, terms I often use, versus something with higher fiber or higher protein or even higher fat to be more of a bunny hill. Um, But again, I think consumers, we are not, the average consumer, any consumer, we are not set up to see a product on a shelf. Um... To, to know whether it's wholesome or not, because there's so much confusing marketing in the way, mm-hmm. dodging our decisions, even the packaging. Shoot, even a wine bottle. Certain labels will attract us more than the other. Hence, dry firm wine. I was about to bring. <laughs> I was about to bring it, but I was like, wait, she'll do it. Always she'll gotta, do it. She'll plug it. Always have to plug, plug dry it. farm wine. Oh, that's funny. If you drink wine, drink dry farm wine. Um, but I just think, if, in, and I heard this meme or this saying once: is if a if a packaged item has some sort of label beyond the food label that's required on the back. It's something you probably shouldn't eat it. Mm. If, if it's even, you know, whatever sugar or heart healthy, like you know how much heart healthy food spikes our blood sugars worse than any other food? It's it's a joke. And and now the the black side of my dietitian is coming out. Um, but yeah, the, the labels on packaged goods are um, not helpful. I don't find them helpful. And we have to overlook what they're telling us and really stick to – what are the ingredients? Is it whole real foods? And then have a look at those macros and how is it going to affect your blood sugars? I know the amount of carbohydrates and ratios of macros I need is very different to the next type one or type two or pre-diabetic. Mm-hmm. Um, and we all just need to take into consideration of how that food typically affects us. And if it's a new food, open our eyes and make sure we're analyzing on how it how it does and behaves. Yeah. Um, so when you when you say uh, when you say things like um, when you look at a food and there's extra labels on it, you're talking about on the front of front that says heart healthy or the front that has those nice green labels on it that makes us think that this is really good for us or it's yeah. organic or whatever yeah. it is, yeah. right? So we yeah. should stay away from those types of products. Yeah, or we shouldn't just put a lot of weight on them. Gotcha. Um, even organic, uh, it is so expensive and, and companies do it because it, it, it helps them at the end of the day, but it's so expensive for them to become certified organic. The amount of money they have to put in and work to become a certified organic company or food product is a lot. And like some food, some brands can't afford to do that. So again, yes, it's so helpful to eat organic food, but sometimes another food might be pretty darn good, but just have, hasn't gone through the certification. So again, it's a consumer world where uh, marketing is real. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that it's an, the interesting, other interesting thing about this is when, when you bring up organic, we hear a lot too about the organic in terms of fruit. Should you eat organic fruit? You know, we hear the yeah. organic thing of, or I've heard the organic thing of specific things because 
they don't have to, there's not a lot of restrictions or regulations. They don't have to, just because it says organic, it doesn't mean it's hundred percent organic. Those, mm-hmm. those types of things are important to think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I agree. And then the EWG.org, they always come out with their dirty dozen and clean 15 list. I do look at that every year, but usually I take in consideration when the budget can allow. I always buy organic for things that have the thinnest skin or something that's pure product like leafy greens. There's no skin there, but those are optimal to have as organic. But EWG.org is a good um, site to reference. Okay. What are the clean 15 and dirty dozen this year? Dirty dozen are the top 12 crops that have the highest amount of pesticides. Um, And at the end of the day, if I have an apple in front of me, I have one in front of me, literally, if it's not organic, I don't want myself not to eat it because it's not organic. Eating whole food is better than not period. Um, as well. I, I've come up with a fun question, but I don't want to move us on from food labels. If there's more, do you want to cover more? Um, no, I, for like, for me, it was just, it's, I think the biggest thing that people got hung up on with food labels and we've talked about it is the ingredients. That's the very first place that you should go regardless of anything else. Before I even look on the front and see if there's any heart healthy or whatever these crazy labels are on the front of a product, I'm automatically grabbing it and moving to the ingredients and looking at and identifying what is in it and does it pass my BS meter? If it does, or even if it doesn't in that moment, I have more data to make the decision on what I'm going to do that aligns with my food values. Yeah. Um, And I actually had brought up prior to to wrapping up this topic is net carbs. Mm. Um, And we, Ken and I actually went to our local JDRF gala um, here in Columbus, Ohio, and it was so much fun. And it's just such a a high chemistry event because we're all best friends. We all understand exactly how we're feeling. Um, And someone came up to me and he was like, Kelly, I think me and my wife need to talk to you. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Okay, sure. And he's like, what are your thoughts on net carbs? He's like, my wife is having some higher blood sugar. Um, do you think she needs to count her net carbs? Um, and I think there's a lot of opinions on this. I think the whole genre of net carbs was industry driven for companies to make more money by showing net carbs of a food product and increasing total fiber. But at the end of the day, we do need to eat more fiber. Average American only eats about 10, eight grams of fiber a day. We need to have, gosh, my high hopes is 30 grams of fiber. Um, but I think the net carb conversation was industry sparked. And I don't pay a lot of attention. I don't bolus my insulin off net carbs. I have a look at my meal composition, the total fiber in the meal, but I usually bolus off total carbs. Um, what are your thoughts on net carbs? And, and also let me clarify too. Net carbs is looking at a product, counting the total carbohydrates, then taking a look at what the total fiber is and subtracting fiber from those total carbs to reach this thing called net carbs. Um, but what are your thoughts on net carbs? Ken? Um, I honestly don't take much stock into it. I don't really look at net carbs yeah. because yeah. I'm not like, it doesn't affect my blood sugar in that way because I'm so insulin sensitive, right? So mm-hmm. if I'm more yep. insulin resistant, maybe because I want to get a little bit, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a, it's a hard thing to think about when we think about net carbs, because it's a, it's a, it's a one size fits all approach. Right. And it might not be that way. Right. So that's why I don't like to look at even, even like looking at total carbs. It's like, okay, well this says that this is 30 grams, but I'm a hundred and 
I have a, a trending arrow down. Should I actually take this 30 grams? Right. I'm getting ready to go exercise. Should I take this 30 grand? So it, it's like what is happening in the situation is more important, I think, than looking and being so hyper focused on what those grams, those those net grams, total grams, whatever it is, not being so hyper focused on, oh, I have to cover for this because I'm eating it. Thinking about all the other aspects or factors that could be involved in lowering or maintaining or spiking your blood sugar. Yep. Um, again, I think too, I, I probably considered it back in the day when I loved all those quest bars. Yeah. <laughs> like those are full of full of fiber and very net carby. Yeah. Um, but when you use net carbs to calculate your needs or understand what it's doing to your blood sugar, it doesn't work. So probably for initially years ago when I was introduced to it, I probably I was like, oh, this is how I should count it. But at the end of the day, we should eat more fiber um, and net carbs is just another way to mark it, I believe. Um, so I wanted to make sure I covered that. And then last but not least, things on front of a label, you know, especially myself, I'll put myself in this camp. I talk a lot of benefits of eating gluten-free, but if a product's gluten-free, doesn't mean it's healthy. Yep. Some gluten-free products spike blood sugars more than sugar. Yep. Um, so just wanted to throw that in there as well. Two more questions for us, maybe three. Okay. Um, what are your favorite fast whole foods to grab for convenience? Fast. Maybe we can give listeners some ideas. Fast whole foods. Fast like in getting blood sugar up like, or just fast like I'm just going to grab it because it's good? Like I, I'm on the go. I need to grab yeah. it and get out of here. Uh, probably bananas. 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 Apples. Um, maybe grapes. <clears throat> excuse me, maybe grapes, but predominantly fruit for me would yeah. be, would be the, yeah. If we're talking whole foods for sure, probably fruit yeah. for me. And, and to give listeners strategies, do you do okay? Usually eating fruit naked? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I do. Naked carbs. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's good. I think I can get away with fruit naked, meaning I don't pair it with protein or fat especially in the afternoon. Mm. I do well with just an apple or I do well just with a peach or a pear. Grapes, I don't have a chance with. That's me individually. Our biology is all different, everyone. Um, but yes, fruits. Um, another thing, because again, I we're both entrepreneurs and we're always on the go and we're probably never turning off, work off. But once a week, I put together a lot of chia puddings. Mm. So I'll put together chia seeds blended with some flax seeds, um, not blended in a mason jar. Sorry, I place a tablespoon of chia seeds, a tablespoon of flax seeds, and I do a fourth a cup or a third a cup of steel cut oats. I love the brand One Degree, um, an intact grain, and I'll put that in a mason jar. So I have a grab and go meal. I'll eat it cold or I'll eat it warm, putting some nut butter in there too. But I thought that would be an idea for people to consider. Um, and then I wanted to ask also, you know, we're in a real world, fast paced world. Um, our demands are, are often, what are some better packaged snacks that you usually resort to? Um, Ken, maybe we can share some ideas with. So I think the first one for me, and I, I just started doing it is a, uh, steel cut, uh, over, not overnight oats, but it's kind of, it's oats basically, um, it's called Mush yeah. is the is the company and oh, yeah. Mush. Um, they, I've looked at so many yogurts. I've I love Greek yogurt. <laughs> I've looked at so many yogurts and I have not found one yogurt at Kroger's, Whole Foods, Giant Eagle, you name the grocery store that passes my BS meter. 
which means it doesn't yeah. have tons of artificial flavors in it. It doesn't have natural flavors. It doesn't have uh, different oils. Um, I haven't found one. So if you have a recommendation on a very good yogurt, awesome. Um, because with yogurts, they tend to always add crap that doesn't need to be in there to for for taste. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I found this. I, love- I found this mush company, and they've got different flavors. I really like the blueberry. It's literally oats, blueberries, and some apple juice. Yeah, um, I saw they carry that at Costco now. Um, yeah, they do. But being so. Gl- being so gluten sensitive, I haven't enjoyed them because they're not certified gluten free. Yeah. So, um, and that will mess me up. Um, but my favorite yogurts, I can't get away with dairy. Often I'm very strict gluten free and I'm dairy light. I flirt with it often, is what I say. But I love Stony Field grass fed full fat dairy. And just a little tangent on here is we never want to dissect Mother Nature, going back to our whole food concept, eating as close to the farm as possible. And we never want to dissect dairy and and go for that 2% fat, 4% fat, reduced fat cheese, cottage cheese, cream cheese. Let's get real. We need the full fat dairy. We don't want to pull out those fat soluble vitamins. So that's step one. Step two, I love Stonyfield full fat and unsweetened grass fed yogurt. It's so creamy and it tastes different. Just like grass fed butter tastes very different than conventional butter. Oh, yes. Night and day. My daughter, I took her to, I went to OU for my undergrad and I went to Bagel Street Deli, got her a gluten free bagel with butter because that's what she loves. And she's like, this is gross. And it was gross because she's used to grass fed butter. <laughs> the things that, that well, I'm the, doing. The funny, I just, I have to bring this up because it's, it's making me laugh that we're talking about butter. So <laughs> I'm not going to call this person out, but I, I recently worked with a family. And, uh, the, the dad had thought that, uh, I can't believe it's not butter was really good for you. And yeah. Oh, for sure. That's a common yes. thing in my practice. And, and I started educating them on the reasons why it's not a very good dairy product or it's not a good dairy product in terms of choosing butter and that we need, Is there even dairy. I don't it? even know. I don't even know. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure there's no dairy. Yeah. So yeah, we, we, we talked about grass fed butters like Kerry gold. That's yeah. my favorite. Or was it Kelly gold? Um, Car- is it Kerry gold? Is it Kerry or Kelly? It's Carrie. Is it, that's what I thought. <laughs> I thought it was Kerry. <laughs> I was like second guessing myself. It, it's Kerry. It's Kerry gold. Yeah. It's Kerry gold it's, butter. Yeah. Grass fed butter. <laughs> Amazing. Oh God, I this love is it. getting great. But yeah, it's yeah. just, I, I just think it's funny that people, like people really have to get better at looking at what food labels are and seeing what's actually in our foods or just being curious or just be, yeah. But, but the curiosity too. Yeah. But the curiosity thing too is like we talk about you. I've heard you talk about that so many times. I talk about that being curious, not just with diabetes, but everything that you're doing in your life is going to take you down that road of being educated on what's actually in the foods that you're consuming. Yeah, definitely. Um, I loved your examples. I was just going to name a few. So <laughs> when 2020 hit, I realized my household was snacking more. So I redesigned our pantry and I redesigned it to put things at eye level that were whole food. So at eye level whole food, um, when my kids open up the pantry, it has their drinks. Again, this is not whole food, but it was, it was a place to take up space. I have like LaCroix in there. I have, um, these almond milks that my daughter likes. And then I put a bunch of clear containers of nuts and seeds. So 
I'm, I did that. And then in the top left corner is kind of a snack section for my husband and I. And this snack se- section is where I have my like packaged plan B foods to grab and go if I'm mm. on the go. And um, things I love, Trader Joe's and other grocery stores, they have these prepackaged olives. They also have these prepackaged artichokes, marino- marinated Ooh. artichokes. Ooh. Artichokes are very high yeah. in fiber. We don't eat of artichokes. Um, so I always have those on hand if we're on a road trip or I know it's a soccer tournament. I always have pre-made trail mix. Maybe I'll make my own, but probably not. I don't have time for that right now, but I'll get a trail mix that does not have canola oil in it. Um, I'll have that up there. I'll have RX bars. Um, they are made out of egg whites, a nut, and usually a flavoring of cocoa or sea salt. Um, I also always have jerky. And I know a lot of people, you know, jerky's yes or no. It might gross people out. And if it's grossing people out, I'm not going to tell them to eat it. But I love epic jerky. Um, there's these chicken sriracha ones that are really good. So I always have olives, artichokes, epic um, protein bars. I also like aloha bars. Mm. Um, those have a few more ingredients than I'd like, but they have substantial protein in it that keep my blood sugars really beautiful. Um, So I have those. And then I always take portable fruits and vegetables. Go-to is apple. My go-to vegetable is carrots. They travel without being cold and they do really well. Like my best friend, we travel with sometimes she's like on an airplane. She's like, only you is eating a carrot on an airplane. Like get out of here. But again, I want to make eating carrots on an airplane the norm. (laughs) I want kids to bring salad to lunch to be the norm and not be made fun of. Um, but it's just thinking through what's convenient, what can come in my bag or purse or or what have you, and support your overall health goals in a modern world. And I think at the grocery store, we should take all the shortcuts. If that's a pre-made, you know, I often buy uh, coleslaw kits. And instead of making that into coleslaw, I'll throw that on a baking sheet with sliced up um, protein and, and do a sheet pan dinner. Like I'm not going to shred the broccoli and then shred the cabbage and then the carrots. Like I'm buying the shortcuts at the grocery store to make that whole food meal at the end of the day. And I think it's important to know shortcuts, um, like this mush overnight oats that you buy from the grocery. Um, there are better options out mm-hmm. there for sure. Yeah. And I, I think that too, is like just even just doing overnight oats, Costco has these amazing really good overnight oats in this humongous container, humongous bag that you can just make a bunch of overnight oats and add some apple juice. Or like I could, I could literally take that recipe or take that mush and repurpose it at my house for way cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. And I do that usually in a Mason jar, three, three of them a week. Um, And I'll do the oats, the chia seeds, I'll do water. And I find if I do a vegetarian protein powder, again, that's processed. But then the day, it's not about being perfect. It's about chasing results. I'll use a vegetarian vanilla protein powder to give it flavor, but also support my satiety and blood sugars. Um, But yeah, it just takes a matter of execution and having a plan. Yeah. But that, that, that right there, what you said is the, is the most important piece is having a plan because we can talk in circles about what, what you should do, what you shouldn't do, what you should look out for. But at the end of the day, if it doesn't work for you and if you don't have a plan going into it and constantly evolving and crafting that plan, my plan today is totally different than my plan was three years ago. So understanding that, that your your thought processes, your education, your evolution and what and, and even just your values of what you want to do and how you want to live are going to constantly always change. Yep. Totally. And I love the saying too, like, don't, 
compare my chapter 12 or Ken's chapter 12 to your chapter one and take one step forward and keep building on that in a very realistic way. And often I tell clients, it starts with your first meal. How are you going to set yourself up when you wake Mm -hmm. up? Um, and, And just start there and maybe stay there for three months and master it. And it'll be a great domino for the rest of your day to support your cravings, blood sugar control, and more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, what we need is setting ourselves up for success and to make healthy food an obvious choice. And that can be large or small. It could be when you come home from the grocery store, pulling things out of the package, let it be the carrots and putting it in a clear container. So there's less of a barrier for when you run to grab food. It's it's more obvious of what to grab. Yeah. Um, and just like our school program, they removed the Pop-Tarts. The kids are not going to want to eat the fresh fruit if there's a Pop-Tart. <laughs> That's the fact. So we got to remove and we need to vote with our dollar to, to make these Whole Foods flourish versus these other companies. They are working so darn hard. They are working so hard to stay on the shelf. You know, one of my classes my senior year in dietetic school was food science. And we were comparing research from Burger King on how they found the perfect saltiness and texture of their food. And there is so much research, millions of dollars being dumped in how to make these foods addictive. And we need to set ourselves up, not have those lingering addictive domino-like foods in our house so we reach for the healthier things. And at the end of the day, maybe some of those things won't be around. Yeah. Um, I, I, I want to like circle back to something you just you said earlier. Cause I think it's an, sure. and I think people don't understand the importance of it. And I'd love for you to kind of give people to give the listeners and the viewers a, a, a deep dive into why this is so important. You mentioned breakfast. I can't tell you how many people I talk to that don't consume any type of calories, don't get any type of energy in the morning for breakfast. Why is this so important for our system? I don't know if we agree on this. Ken. <laughs> <laughs> I think I agree to disagree. I think our bodies are smarter than us. I think first I investigate why they're not eating. Are they eating a large dinner at 9 PM? Is that their, mm-hmm. their pattern? And if it is, that's not going to help them. It's not going to help their sleep. It's not going to help their detox pathways. It's not going to help their biology. It's not going to help with their insulin levels or their blood sugar. So first I look at going to bed, what's going on those hours before. But if someone naturally doesn't want to eat until 10, 11, I ride that. I ride that train. Okay. (laughs) I find their rhythm. But I, I don't agree we need to eat right when we wake up. I highly disagree. Um, well, I'm not even saying when they, I'm not even saying when they just wake up, right? Some people won't, some people won't even, they'll just, they'll start their day. They'll go to work and they will consume no calories and have no energy to start the day and to start the, the basic metabolic process of, of their body working and they won't get anything till 12, one, two o'clock. I know so many people that are like that, (laughs) but I'm okay with that. Okay. Well, if you're, I mean, I get it. Okay, cool. So, but this is why this is, but this is why this is really good because we have two professional individuals that might not necessarily see eye to eye on this. I totally agree with you in terms of, of understanding and defining why they're not eating in the morning. That is a hundred percent. The very first question that should be asked. Um, I just like coming from, I think it also comes from the strength conditioning and, and, and personal training side of it we get more out of our workouts if we're fueled for that workout we're going to get more out of our workout does that mean we have to have a full meal before a workout in the morning 
but we get way more out of ourselves. Some people can fast and work out and be fine, um, but we get way more out of our bodies and out of our performance in the morning if we are just consuming a little bit of energy. That's that. I don't know if I agree. That, okay, <laughs> cool. But I know. But, but I also know that you, you're big good. on fasting too, so which is good. Yeah, and I think too, um, we're so individual. Of course. Like I think you're speaking to a number of people that absolutely need that, but I also don't think it's everyone, and I don't think you think it's everyone either. Um, but I think there's so many unique things about deciding meal time, what you eat, when you eat, how you eat. Um, because when you eat is just as important as what you eat a hundred percent. Um, especially if it's late, eat light or don't eat at mm-hmm. all. Again, I don't want people to start. I don't want people to fast for too long, but if you eat late, you turn so many things off, including quality sleep. Of course. If your body's digesting when you go to bed, like you're not setting yourself up for overall health and success. Um, but even fasted workouts, I think it's what exactly what some people need. Um, but it could be the worst thing for others. So I think people need to try stuff on like an outfit and see what works well in their body. And I also think if it's someone with diabetes or somebody wearing a CGM, it can tell you a lot. Yeah. So all people wearing a CGM who are not diabetic and they'll be like, I love fasting till 1 PM. I'm like, great. And I'll watch their CGM line and that line will start going up real steep at 11 AM. And I'm like, Hey, guess what? Because you're fasting so long, you're driving your cortisol and it's actually not working for you. So I think there's just a lot of uniqueness and understanding of when people need to eat. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very different of when, and if it, it needs to be um, for a workout or not, because if you eat right before you, you work out, it'll affect your blood sugar, but that fuel will not be um, necessarily nourishing your workout. What nourishes your workout is what you eat the day or t- two days before. Like, you know, think of marathon runners. And so forth. It's not that banana before your race, um, you know, our workouts should sustain blood sugar control diabetic or not, but it's really about the fueling leading up to the activity. I think exercise is just as important as nutrition too. Mm-hmm. And I think they feed off each other. Cause if you're doing this exercise program, you're not going to waste your time and money and energy on just lifting weights. Eventually you're going to want to feel good while doing it. And it'll put a lot of dominoes in place for how you're eating all week, not 30 minutes just before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing, um, the other question I have for you too, since we're down this rabbit hole is, do you have a set time or an average time the night before or in the evenings in terms of when you should consume your last meal, snack, whatever it might be before bed? Is it three hours, four hours, two hours, one hour? What is the, is what, what is your thoughts? And I'd also be curious what the research might see might say. Yeah. Um, I would say the research I've seen is like most favorable of three hours, Mm -hmm. but what I say is watch your CGM line. Um, and I just know I'll get a slap on the wrist if I'm eating much later than seven 30 and that's hard. Yeah, It's real hard. That's real hard. Um, but I've just adjusted to, to make that happen in my life. Um, especially so Ken knows I like to go on insulin pumps and then take breaks for a few years and take shots. I'm back on shots and on shots. I have a stricter routine where I can't really eat late or it'll mess me up all night. Um, but I think the answer is watch your CGM line to know your cutoff. And it's just a matter of watching trends. It's not just watching what one night does. It's watching trends. But I think the research will say three hours. But again, three hours isn't really realistic for a lot of people. Hmm. Yeah. I, 
What do you yeah, say? Yeah, no, I've I've heard three hours. I've heard four hours. I've heard fast stops of eight o'clock, regardless of what time you go to sleep. Um, I I just I just I know I've seen all across the board of people like not going to bed till midnight, not going to bed till ten, not going to bed till or going to bed at nine. Like, so it, I I think it's. Yeah. I was just very curious of what your answer was going to be because I thought it was going to be like that three or four hour window. Um, But like you said, I think it's important to continue to experiment and to figure out what's, what's going to work for you. What is your blood sugar saying? Um, And Kelly also brought up a really good point about that because, you know, when she's on a pump, she can be a little bit less loose with, with that time constraint of when she's going to eat. But when she's on shot, she has to be more tight, you know, more tight with that window. Routine. So yeah. um, that's just, that's a, a really good example of just making sure we're understanding what's going to work for us. And I love that yeah. about you because you you have like these two different pathways of, of management that you have figured out how both <laughs> of these pathways work for you. So um, I love that. Yeah. Well, when you've been diabetic on Thursday will be 32 years for me. Um, you have time to experiment. Happy diversary. <laughs> um, diversary, 32 years. It's also my birthday. I was diagnosed on my birthday. Woo-hoo. Happy birthday. Um, yeah. Lordy, lordy. Look who's 40. <laughs> I'm a little nervous about it, but hey, I'm alive. I'm going in the right direction. You look amazing for um, 40. Oh, thanks, Fred. Thank you. Um, but I think the big takeaway message is how can we all, dietitian, nutritionist, trainer or not, play a role in the world's kind of consumer habits and and evolve what's offered at, you know, various programs or not offered. Like if our kids are doing a little league game, they don't need to step to the side and have a lollipop. They don't. Um and I uh, am, am, again, I'm turning up the volume on the importance of blood sugar control. I'm turning up the volume on the importance of hormone shifts and perimenopause women. And my third fire is children's nutrition. And I'm training tweens, so girls that are between 9 and 12, so tweens. And in these workouts, I'm talking about nutrition. So I'm just layering on high-level nutrition. But the biggest thing is, you guys, the most important thing for your nutrition is sleep. How can you set up your sleep? The second most important thing is the, the things you should be hydrating with is water. At the end of the day, it's water. It's not what's popular. Um, Celsius, I guess that's a drink right now. It's an energy um, drink. It's these, not even like, it's yes. not even hydra. I mean, it's how can I even say it's hydration? Like it's just an energy drink with know. chemicals. Yeah, but I, it's just going back to the basics and all of us have our inner dietitian and it's just knowing what's right and what's close to mother nature and celebrating that. Um, but don't hesitate to speak up, voice your needs, especially if your child has diabetes, because they are dodging a lot of advertisements, um, isolation. Cause they, I mean, they might feel like they can't eat stuff or they know, Oh, I won't feel well eating that. Or maybe they'll just rebelliously eat it. Cause I sure have for the 32 years I've been diabetic. Um, but now I just don't want to babysit blood sugar. So I don't feel as upset not having something, but my kids are really upset eating gluten-free. They're so upset, but it's consistently cupcakes or Lord knows what. And it's just a lot. And, and at the end of the day, it's affecting their learning, their sleep, their behavior, their mood, their depression, their immunity. If you eat sugar, I think it shuts your immune system down for seven to eight hours. Like there's so much sickness going around right now and tis the season. Guess what's that? Tis the season. 
all the cookies and there should be cookies, but we don't need cookies every day of the season. <laughs> Maybe just the holidays. Kids, now I sound like a food. Kids are still, Nazi, uh, kids are still trying to get through their Halloween candy. Yeah. Well, we have a candy witch. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I just love that. I'm just a witch. Just I'm such a that. witch. I God, I just love it. But it, it, I think that the, the interesting thing about all of these sweet things, you know, candies, whatever it might be, pop, whatever it is, the addict, the addictive process of that. And mm-hmm. we, we see it with our, you mentioned it. We, we're seeing it with kids all the time with having this, these different things mentally that's been going on emotionally that's going on. And it's insane to me that people aren't making the connection to food. It's insane to me. Yeah. It's crazy to and me. And maybe we are, but we don't know what to do about it. But how do we not know? To, and so, yeah, so I, I would just, but I would say like, how, like for those who are right, let's say that there are tons of people out there that aren't educated like us, but are making the connection for mood and all these things that are happening to food. Let's just say that is the case. Mm-hmm. My thing is like, we know that pop is bad. Right, we know that you yeah. shouldn't be eating tons of sugar and candy. Like it, making that connection is important, and that should be the first thing that gets eliminated. Yeah, and I think too. I guess my my passion is the first thing to get eliminated. In my opinion, I I love yours. Um, is using a treat as a reward because mm. I want to remove that because people think, oh, in in the future, if I'm down or if I'm sad. I need to pick myself up with sugar or treat yeah. or indulgence. That's the, yeah, that, that's like, the relationship with it. I yeah. get most upset. My blood boils a little bit when it's like, oh, you want a reward? Here's a lollipop. And, and it's not a lollipop. It might be like whatever's trending. Um, yeah. But it's just that right there's a manipulation of a food relationship that we're teaching kids. Mm-hmm. And and eating sugar, it, it's distracting to the brain. It spikes blood sugars. It's so hard to learn with high blood sugars. Um, but also when blood sugars go up, so do other hormones, including adrenaline and like anxiety. Um, but yeah, I think removing rewards, I think, and, and again, it, it's age dependent. Is it having special time to do a certain activity or is it a sticker? Is it a, a treasure box of toys um, or, or what is it? But I think the reward system needs removed um, and and really and, and, and let sugar remove its power. And I don't think everything in moderation is okay either. Mm. Because once you have that addictiveness, yeah. you're going to want it again and again. Yep. And that's where I kind of changed my stance on Halloween this year. Like, did, And I'm sure we talked about this. There is candy in Columbus, Ohio that is being distributed for trick-or-treat that is illegal to distribute for trick-or-treat in California. Like, I'm like, what are we, walking experiments? Like the food dyes on Skittles were not allowed in California this year. Um, and and that's not fair, and I'm mad about it. <laughs> I can and tell. I, I want I want Mars. I want all of these huge companies to do us better. But what what about Kelly? So they don't care. what about what about the thought process of now that these now in I think pretty much almost every single country things like Frosted Flakes, things like Lucky Charms, th- these cereals with all these bad this bad crap in it is being. They're not even being put on the shelves anymore. They're getting taken off the shelves. They're not selling them in these foreign countries, except for the United well, States. 
Yeah. There's a lot of different regulations of what the FDA approves in the U.S. compared to other countries, um, including genetically modified food. Um, so yeah, there's a lot more looser regulations in the U.S. And and, and is it population size? Like, what is it? I'm not sure. Um, but there was a study that came out two weeks ago, and it was on ultra-processed food leading to cancer, metabolic disease, and cardiovascular disease, which is one and the same, in children. And the the summary of this article did say, hopefully this shines a light to FDA to instill stronger regulations in, in our food. Um, but then the day, if you don't know, reach for that mother nature um, and, and try to normalize it. Again, like, again, I just think I pack my kids lunchbox every day and I know they're old enough to pack, but you know what they're going to pack? It's not going to be the same as what I pack them. But a lot of times Declan will be like, mom, don't put that in there. I'll get made fun of. Um, So I think it's just these small evolution of changes of what the school is distributing, what um, allowing birthday treats. Like, do I want to take that away? I don't, I don't know. But I'll tell you every time there is when my daughter's crying because she can't have it. Um, and again, now it's like, okay, there's everyone sensitive to everything. That is our world right it now. Is. Sure is. It is. Um, but I mean, we are just overlooking things that are driving disease because it tastes good in the moment and it's addicting. And maybe we're having these things for the kids because, you know, in the back of our mind, we actually want a little bit. Mm. And that's true too. Yep. Um, I don't know. We're going off on a tangent. I'm going down. A I, rabbit I mean, hole. I, but I think it's a and, good rabbit hole because it's, it's, I think it's a very good rabbit hole because it's, I know that it's things that are on other parents' minds. It it is, it's, it's on everyone's mind and people don't know what to do about it. And people want to talk about it, but people don't know how to talk about it. And the other thing I was going to ask you is with this, with going through this whole thought process is what do you think about environment in terms of, in terms of like toxins? No, in terms of like making, because we're talking about removing the thing of treat, removing removing that thought process. It doesn't it it doesn't need to be that. So, like for me, my kids eat really healthy because it's part of the environment. It's part of yeah. it's part of the education process. It's part of us us the way the family wants to live. Not just me and my yeah. not just me and my my kids. Now, granted, my kids are way younger like than your kids. My kids aren't yeah. in the school system yet. And being made fun of because of their eating really good, healthy stuff. So like that, I think that I'd be curious to know your thoughts on that. Yeah. And I don't restrict my kids Mm -hmm. either. I just have better versions of candy. Yeah. There's better forms. And usually I'm catering to the chocolate peanut butter cups that are like by made by, um, gosh, I can't even think of the brand evolve or hue hu like these high quality chocolate that usually are peanut butter infused because it's keeping blood sugars a little better um versus the candies and there's vitamin c suckers that are better than the blow pops and my house certainly has candy but it's just a little bit better version so my kids feel like non um not too restricted because yeah. that's a balance too i don't want to drive an eating disorder and i i examine how i speak to my kids very lightly because it's so easy to create eating disorders because the one out of three nine-year-olds are on a diet. One out of three nine-year-olds um, are on or have tr- tried a diet, um, which is depressing. Um, but environment, I think what you put at eye level, what you have always on the counter, is it a bowl of fruit? Is it anything? Mm. Is it nothing? Yep. What's at eye level when you open the fridge? What type of liquid calories do you have in your house? Or is it just LaCroix um, or so forth? Like my mom was like, what type of juice should I buy for Thanksgiving this year? And I was like, buy Stelzer waters. 
Like the kids are going to love the, all the pies. They're going to love that. Like we don't need to give them a double whammy. Yeah. Um, but I think in your environment is just every time you run out of something as you're shopping for the grocery, how can it be upgraded if the budget allows or can it be eliminated? Just thinking of the Pop-Tarts that are were delivered last year at our school and no longer anymore. Um, so one at a time, just upgrade things and think about when you walk into your environment, um, what can be changed and what is visually present will dictate how often you feel hungry, um, especially if things are at eye level. Our, our candy shelf is, you know, you have to get on a stool and step to the pantry and open it up. There's a barrier. So the things that are more treat-like have more barriers, more steps to get to it and have those whole foods hand ready, um, especially at kids' eye levels. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that what you're getting yeah. to? <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah. It was, yeah. I, I just think that this environment thing, because people, I, I talk to parents all the time about it and, and they ask me, it's like, well, what do your kids eat? If you're eating X, Y, and Z, if you're eating all these whole foods, what do you, what are your kids eating? I'm like the same thing I'm eating Yeah, because it's part of the environment. They want to eat those mm -hmm. things. They don't, they, yeah. they feel bad when they eat candy all the time because we talk about it. Yeah. My kid, my girls yeah. ate candy uh, on Halloween, probably had a little bit too much more than they should have. And they were bouncing off the walls and they didn't feel good. And then Kelly and I yeah. had it, Kelly, my wife, <laughs> yeah, <I mean. laughs> uh, we had a conversation with them. This is why we don't have candy all the time because it makes you feel this yeah. way. And having real, yeah. real conversations with your kids about these things is important. Yeah. And they say now 50% of meals are eaten out of the home. And I believe 80% of the calories kids are eating are processed. Mm -hmm. So people are chronically having things, so they don't know any different, but it just takes one little step, one little change. Maybe it starts with breakfast. Maybe it starts with liquid calories. Maybe it starts with just the quality of the candy. Um, maybe it starts with a candy witch. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I love that. But take one step closer and don't be afraid to speak up at your school, your organization, your church, your synagogue of what's being offered and how often. Yeah. Um, I love that. Bef before we're, we're kind of on coming up on time. Um, before we end, there was one more question I wanted to ask you that I didn't get to ask you as we were talking about food labels. Um, and, and that is understanding and, and maybe just defining for everyone the importance of protein and fats when we talk about diabetes and we talk about why we should eat protein and fat with our carbs why we don't eat naked carbs and we've we've talked a little bit about not eating naked carbs um but i think some people are lost in the idea of why they we should consume protein and fat along with our carbohydrates and not just eat carbohydrates and a little bit of proteins and fats yeah. The short answer, if we just eat carbs, we'll have a lot of black diamonds on our CGM lines. If we bundle those with protein fat, we'll get bunny hills. And that's the goal. Yeah. Um, but I would say overall, we need fats to help with nutrient absorption. Like we cannot absorb vitamin D without fat in our food. Um, so fat, fat, soluble vitamins, we need fat in our diet. Fat also creates satiety. So to go from one meal to the next, to have a gap, to give your gut a break, you need to have fat. It also slow down that glucose absorption. And then protein. Protein is so important. Um, in most of my clientele is women over the age 35 to 45, 50. And we need more protein as we age. 
and we need at least 90 grams of protein a day, 100 grams of protein per min, and at least 30 grams per meal to turn on that leucine process. I feel like we've talked about we this. Have. Yep, um, I love it. An essential amino acid that helps with muscle mass, metabolism, bone health, and more. Um, so, yeah, there's so much importance, but the importance of diabetes related, the importance of protein and fat is to help keep our blood sugar sticky and steady and not spike. Mm-hmm. Perfect. In sh- Perfect. In short. Perfect answer. That's exactly what we were looking for. Perfect answer. Awesome. Yeah. Well, this is fun. Yes. This is always, uh, it's always a pleasure connecting, talking to you. We had such a blast at the gala. Um, it was just, yeah. I was so glad was that cool. that we were able to make that happen in such short notice. It was really short notice for both of us. So I'm yeah. so glad we were able to do that. So here's to next year being able to do it again. Yeah. Totally. Totally. And, um, I'm excited for next year. I know Ken has a lot of stuff coming out now, but I'm going through an entire overhaul in my business and what I offer. So stay tuned. Yes. Um, and I look forward to having another podcast recorded in, in hopefully January. Yeah. We're not too long from yeah, now. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll be, we'll plan on, on trying to get something every month or every couple months. So, um, you guys stay tuned. So the, uh, last thing that I want to leave you guys with, if you're in Columbus, Ohio, or if you're in Ohio and any any part of Ohio, in February, early February, Kelly and I will be speaking at JDRF's summit. Okay, their their national summit here in Columbus, Ohio. Um, it's going to be an incredible lineup of speakers. Um, I'm excited to hear Kelly's speech. I'm excited to speak. Um, and it's just, it's going to be a really, really cool event. So if you guys are going to be in the area in February, it'll be the very first weekend of February, I believe, I think it's February 4th, that Sunday, um, come check us out and, uh, connect with us. If you have questions, anything nutrition wise, food wise, reach out to Kelly. She's just a wealth of incredible knowledge. I'm constantly communicating and talking to her and asking her questions about things and she continues to blow my mind. So um, Likewise. and I, uh, and I, I, I find myself recently like thinking that I know a lot about nutrition and Kelly puts me in my place. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when I study it for five yeah, years right? and practice it in private practice for 12, you learn a few things. Yeah. Um, well, you're a great coach. You see the big picture and you help people really well. Cause I know you feel their hearts and I think there's not enough coaches like that. So hot tip to you, Ken, um, on just helping people progress on whatever their goal is. Um, that February JDRF summit in Columbus, Ohio, do you know where it's located or what time it is? I do. Um, okay. Uh, I don't have it on me right this second. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Maybe we can put it in the show yeah, notes. I'll put it in the show notes because we do, it's, I think it's from, I want to say one to five. It's a four hour block. So it'll be on that day, one to five. I'll put every, all the information in the show notes. Um, I think they have a link for it as well that you can sign up. So I'll put that in the show notes as well. So thank you for that, Kelly. Yeah. Totally. So um, until then. Until then, until then, uh, thank you everybody for listening. Um, it's a pleasure again to talk to you to Kel- to talk to you again, Kelly. Um, thank you for everyone for listening, um, and we will see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>